Hi guys, welcome to episode 7 and thank you for those who have stuck around for those 7 episodes and welcome to the new listeners. Now there isn't much of a structure to these podcasts, they're all very different to each other and um, on different topics and stuff so it's not like a story where you've got to go back and listen to it to catch up and understand what's going on, you can kind of join in anytime. And, um, you know, if there's any topics that you want to look into or listen to or understand more, just scroll back and see what topics I've covered. Or if there's anything that I haven't covered yet, please do drop me a note. Uh, There should be a option to send me a message if you're listening to this on Anchor. If you're not listening to it on Anchor and you listen to it on Spotify, I think there might be a way of communicating with the podcasters on there. But the best way to get in touch is if you go onto my Instagram, the life of a surveyor. On Instagram, you can email me, you can message me, you can drop me a note, you can drop me a voice note, you can do whatever. So you can get in touch with me that way, and that's probably the best way to get in touch as well. Now, it's been a bit of an interesting week, an interesting few weeks really, with the big C word. No, not the one that rhymes with hunt, but the other one. Not 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 the not the not the other big C word, not not cancer. Again, yeah. Why are all the C words like negative and sort of really sort of, you know, there's nothing positive about the C words, is there? Anyway. But the one we're talking about today is, of course, coronavirus. And I'm sure everyone's had enough of coronavirus now. I know I have and, you know, I'm actually just fed up of it all and think it's a huge farce and just want it over and done with and get on with normal life. But I think, you know, I share the sentiments of uh, much of the world when I say that. So, um We'll be looking at coronavirus and the effect of that on uh, commercial property and in specifically we'll be looking at uh, the effect of coronavirus in the retail market, Um, not not, not just sort of commercial but it will focus quite a lot around retail because that's the worst affected uh, area in the UK and you know I'd probably say around the world as well but We'll be focusing on it on UK retail and coronavirus and UK retail property, of course, and see see what the effects are. That's what's coming up. But before we kick into that, I've just had a load of data come back to me and it kind of shows me a bit of a demographic of who my listeners are. So quite shocked at that. Now, quick update. There are now 200 listeners. So thank you very much for everyone that's listening. 200 is an amazing number. If I can maintain that, great. If I can grow it, even better. So um, thank you for listening and please do share this podcast and let people know it's out there. I'm here to help you guys out when it comes to commercial property. So please do let others know. Another thing that this demographic sort of showed was the geographic location of my listeners. And it's quite interesting to see this. Now, obviously, I'm based in the UK, in the United Kingdom, and 78% of my listeners come from the UK. Now, I would have thought it would be closer to 90 mark, but it just kind of goes to show that I've got an international audience, which is absolutely amazing. So we've got UK, number one, at 78%. The second highest country where my listeners are is Hong Kong. I've never even been to Hong Kong. (laughs) Now, Hong Kong has 8% of my listeners at this point in time. So um, shout out to all you Hong Kong folks who are listening. Please do get in touch through Instagram because I'd love to know who you are and how you got to find this podcast. So it'll be great. So if you're from Hong Kong and you're listening, please do get in touch on Instagram and drop me a note. I'd love to say hi. So that's number two. That's Hong Kong. And up in third place is the United States with 7% of my listeners. 
And then we've got people from Morocco, Germany, and India. So um, a vast variety of countries where people are listening to this. So it's great. And I've got to say, I've got a caveat. A lot of the stuff I do talk about is predominantly UK-based and it's English law, uh, English property law, rather. So, you know, if you are listening to this and trying to implement it in other countries, just be careful that a lot of my stuff is, most of my stuff is based around the UK and English law. Right. So let's crack on coronavirus so it's the 25th of january 2020 and the foreign and commonwealth office advises against all travel to china's hubei providence where the city of wuhan the original epicenter of the outbreak is located right now 25th of january and it wasn't until the 23rd of march that Boris Johnson sat in front of a camera at Downing Street and addressed the nation and introduced a UK-wide lockdown to contain the spread of the virus. The British public were instructed that they must stay at home except for certain limited purposes. Shopping for necessities, one form of exercise a day, a medical need and to travel to and from work where absolutely necessary and where you could not work from home. So 23rd of March was when we went into lockdown. It feels like ages away. All right. So 23rd of March meant everything was shutting down. You had restaurants shut. You had bars shut. You had retail shut. Retail shops shut. Everything was shut. And the UK was in lockdown. Now, the effect of this has been substantial. Right? Now, I'm not going to go into... The economics of the whole thing because that's a whole different discussion to be had and I think we, we could potentially do like an online forum where we do open up the floor to you guys and have a discussion about it if we really want to go down that route but UK retailers in the food fashion health and beauty categories so the retailers in those categories have said that COVID-19 will have a negative impact on their sales and the strange thing about that is it includes health and beauty as well so health which is a big thing, you know, you'd think people are going to be more conscious about their health and they'll go to these health shops and be more be more active in that area. But even they're going to be having an effect. So, you know, coronavirus has affected the whole world. It's not just one country. It's not just one area. It's not just one industry. It's the whole world. It's brought the whole world to a standstill. And nothing has been able to do that in peacetime. The only thing that's done that is the war. So if anything, this is worse than the war. All right, all those world wars, this is worse than the war. And it's, it's quite crazy when you come to think about it, like what we're going through. And, you know, I'm just thinking when I come to tell my kids about this, I'm going to exaggerate the hell out of this. You know, like, like my great grandparents have done and you know their, their parents have done during the wars and all that stuff. And, you know, oh, it was terrible, this, this and that. I'm going to be the same and be like, ah, oh, your father had to stay indoors for hours on end and food was rationed and you couldn't find anything. To, there was no toilet roll. You couldn't wipe his ass. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what you do. You know, when you when the older generation tell the younger generation, they chuck in all those extra little bits and bobs. You know, look at look at Abe, Abe Simpson in in The Simpsons. You know, when he's telling Bart and Lisa, he chucks in a load of crap. So um, I'll be doing that anyway. But now back to the point. Back to the point. So COVID nineteen has had a massive, massive effect on retail property. So everything is shut, which means no one's generating any income. 
so they cannot pay their rent or any other outgoings, right? Rent, service, charge, insurance, utilities, you name it, they can't pay it. They're not benefiting from the property, yet the landlords are still charging rent. The banks are still charging on mortgages. So all that is still running. Nothing has come to a complete standstill except for the end user and the occupiers. Now, the government has provided some measures as an immediate response to assist retailers, right? Not only retailers, but other occupiers too, but retailers have had a lot of help. And this is what I try and tell my clients and my tenants, that retailers have had more help than other, other sectors. Now, the Council of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, has almost immediately, in, in response to this COVID-19 and the lockdown, come out and said that they will abolish business rates up until 2021. So that immediately provides some relaxation in cash flow for the occupiers, right? Because their, their business rates are likely to be similar to what their rent is, but obviously you're paying pence in the pound, so I think it's 50p. Uh, around about 50p to the pound so the multiplier is around about 50 pence to the, uh, to the pound depending on what category you fall under but an average is about 50p so your business rates will be half your rateable value and your rateable value is kind of meant to be linked to your rent but it's not always that way but that's 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 kind of where the where you get the figures from and you're talking big figures you know depending on the size of your shop and your property um, you could be talking big figures. So, you know, the smaller the shop, the less you pay in rates, the bigger the shop, the more rates you pay. So, you know, you could be talking thousands of pounds, you could be talking tens of thousands of pounds, you could be talking millions of pounds, depending on the size of your business and your property. So immediately, the government have provided that cash that you would have had to normally pay per quarter to the local authorities, you're not having to make that payment now. So you've got some spare... I say spare, but you have some flexibility in your cash flow now. So that was one of the one of the first measures that the government introduced. They introduced a moratorium on forfeiture to protect tenants. Now, what does that mean? That means that landlords cannot kick you out of the property if you don't pay your rent. All right? They cannot evict you. They can't forfeit the lease. They can't send in the bailiffs. They can't enforce active credit control while this COVID-19 situation is happening. And it's all backed up by the Corona Act. So um, it, it's now legislation that has to be followed. So again, on debt recovery, the government have said you can't, can't go out and do debt recovery. You can't send out the bailiffs to your, to your tenants or to your suppliers or you know, to your customers if you need to. But they haven't yet provided any measures for landlords. So what the government's response in measures to protect retail, it's all very tenant focused and tenant orientated. So just got to bear that in mind. Now, what are landlords doing? Given that landlords aren't always credit lending facilities and they're not always, you know, they won't be charitable and have loose purse strings and, you know, you can't tug on their heartstrings all the time. It's the big ugly landlords, you know, they're the greedy but you know like i said in previous podcasts the landlord has to pay for the property as well it's not just cash in their pocket they've got to pay the banks so yes they might look like they're being greedy and they're not being helpful or lenient but they're getting it in the back just as much as the tenant is because the banks will be on the landlord's case the landlord will be on the tenant's case it's a nasty chain but that's how it works but despite that some landlords are being helpful and are offering rent deferrals and concessions or discounts so what, what, what does that mean? 
your rent is due, you're going to be invoiced as normal, but you don't have to pay it until later on. Now, I'm not saying you don't have to pay it at all. You know, if you can get the landlord to agree that, then great. But landlords are very unlikely to do that. And if they do do that, bite their arms off because, you know, it's great. Rent deferrals and discounts. So they could offer you a rent concession for a temporary period. So maybe half rent for the duration of coronavirus or half rent for a month or three months for one quarter. Um, and then it goes back to your normal rent. Um, or you just don't pay anything and then you sort of have to pay a increase some later on when you're back in and trading and generating income. So that's one of the things that landlords are doing. Another thing they're doing is offering tenants the ability to pay monthly rents. Now this, some people think, well, how's that gonna help? But when you think about it, you're running a business, rather than saving three months of rent to pay each quarter, you can sort of break that into smaller chunks, which is a bit more affordable and manageable if you've got limited income coming in. So paying monthly rents is actually quite helpful. And a lot of tenants are jumping at the opportunity and agreeing to this and signing up for it. So if you are able to do monthly rents, great, because it helps you with your cash flow in the long term. Uh, another thing that landlords are offering is a turnover rent. So varying your lease so that it's not got your fixed rent and then your rent reviews and your rent increase, step rents, et cetera, et cetera. But you have a turnover rent. So it's based on how much you trade. Now, this means you've got to give your accounts, your audited accounts to the landlord. Right. So they're going to know exactly how much money you're making, which you don't always want to tell the landlord. But it's based on a percentage. So you can have a base rent and then a top up turnover rent, depending on how good you trade and how, how, how much um, how much profit you make and turnover you make. It can work for some retailers, but a lot of them want to stick to the traditional fixed amounts um, and have a market rent. But it is an option. So, you know, when you have times like these, it's great because you don't have to pay anything because you're not trading, you're not turning over any income. So you're not paying any rent. So that's that's another another um, uh, route you could go down. Uh, landlords are also offering rent, uh, lease regears. So what does that mean? Well. You look at the lease terms and you look at how it's working, you know, is it, is it, is it, is it working for you? Have you got a long term left at the end? You know, is it coming up to renewal? Is it coming up to a break? Can we negotiate something? You know, if you've got a break clause, the landlord's not going to want to have that in there. So, you know, the landlord might say, listen, if I cut your rent by half, how about we regear the lease and uh, vary it to say we remove that break clause, but we'll give you 50 percent rent concession instead. And that kind of ties you in. So if you've got a 10 year lease and a five year break and you're coming up to that break in, at year five, they'll tie you in for another five years and you can't break. So you're stuck with that lease for 10 years, you're stuck in that property for 10 years. But, you know, it gives the landlord security and it kind of gives you security as well, especially if it's a mutual break. If it's a landlord and tenant break, the landlord could always exercise the break. So it takes away that risk as well from, from your part. And then again, for the landlord, it's great because they know you're not going to go away from that property for another 10 years. So regearing leases. You know, and again, you can tweak the rent based on you know, some terms, that you, uh, some clauses that you take in and out. And it's all very negotiable. So it's, it's an art of negotiation with lease regears. But it's still your lease that you, you've, you've been granted at the start of the lease by tweaking bits and bobs and extending the term and reducing this and taking away bits and adding new bits. And at the end of the day, you come up with a nice little new package, which works for both the landlord and the tenant. So that's another thing you can do. And then other things are sort of varying leases and drafting new leases. Is there is there um changes happening yes there is you've got clauses going in for sort of natural disasters 
pandemics, you've got pandemic clauses going into leases now, a lot of things around insurance and keep open clauses. So you've got to keep your property open regardless of what happens or you've got to do something. Yeah. There's loads of different things that are going in in terms of drafting leases. There's a lot of new clauses and I would definitely recommend signing up to some solicitors um, newsletters because they are now on a daily basis giving more and more advice on new clauses that have been drafted and new wording that should be going into leases and sort of advising tenants and landlords what they should be looking at and focusing on when drafting leases. So, you know, there's there's all of that that you need to sort of look into and, and, and sort of look at when you're drafting a new lease or even sort of re-gearing and trying to put, put new wording or vary it. So there's quite a few things there. Now, what is going to happen now when we are now sort of in that sort of phase where we're looking to reopen retail and sort of start rolling out normality again? So there's, there's quite there's quite a few things that we've got to look at here. Retail isn't going to be the same ever again. That's a given. I'll tell you that for free. Right. There's a lot of things that need to be considered when retailers do start opening again. Because this isn't something that's just a passing thing. It's it's going to hang around, and even if we do get a vaccine whenever, and you know that there, there's treatments, and you know it's not it's not it's not spreading as much, and you know, all that, people's confidence levels have already been hit, right? Now there's a there's a survey online, and it's full of statistics, and it's 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 all it's all based on um, people's opinions and 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 their thoughts. Uh, about what what their what their thoughts are once restrictions are lifted and um, what 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 kind of things are they likely to try and avoid because of COVID nineteen? Now this survey was done on the thirty first of May, right? And given that coronavirus started sort of late Jan, mid to late Jan, um, in China and then sort of came over to the UK sort of end of Feb, start of March, and it's been ongoing since. This is kind of coming towards the midpoint and sort of the end of the peak of it. And people's perceptions are quite, quite strict on these things. So, you know, there's a few things that, that, they, that they've asked about what they will do once restrictions are lifted and what they what they are likely to try and avoid once lockdown restrictions are restricted. And there's a list of list of places. So for the UK, for the United Kingdom, cinemas and theatres, 58 percent will avoid them. Music festivals. 59% will avoid them. Music concerts, 58% will avoid them. So over 50%. Now, a lot of these things you've got to bear in mind have been postponed um, or cancelled until next year anyway. So a lot of these might not be relevant. Pubs, bars and clubs, 62% will avoid these for the time being because of COVID. 62% will avoid going to pubs, bars and clubs. Now, they're looking at introducing, reopening bars and clubs uh, sorry, bars and pubs in July. And, you know, if 62% are saying they're going to avoid them. How are they going to survive? How are they going to generate income? Uh, you know, it's an interesting statistic, that one. That kind of threw me a bit because you've got amazing weather right now. You're going for a bit of a heat wave. All right. You're allowed to see up to six people now outside your house and, you know, beer garden will be perfect for that. But 62% of people are saying they're not going to go. So it's, it's quite interesting there. Sports events, a lot of them have been cancelled or postponed or will be done behind closed doors, but 57% will avoid them. Gyms. Now, a lot of my tenants are gym operators and they have been shut since the get-go. And to be fair, it's if you're going to get coronavirus, you're going to get it in the gym because there's a lot of people in contact with the same equipment 
and it, it's got to be very very strictly sanitized and cleaned and it's got to be on point before anyone steps into a gym but 52 percent of people in the uk will avoid gyms and sports centers 53 percent of people will avoid restaurants and cafes now large retail shops and shopping centers 47 percent of people so now we're dropping below the 50% mark. So less than half of people will avoid large retail shops and shopping centres. And I think this is quite fair because you're going to have a a split public where some people are going to be like, hmm, everyone's going to have the same mindset. They're all going to rush and shop once they open. Um, because, you know, we've been sort of in lockdown for what, two months now, two, three months now. And, you know, we've not been shopping. We're going to want summer clothes. We're going to want the latest clothes. Not that the latest clothes will be out there. They'll be out of date now. But, you know, we wanna, we're going to want to have to go out there. We're going to go out shopping and do buy stuff. You know, we've probably got lists lying around on our phones of things we want to buy that aren't available online. But they're out of stock and they're only available in certain places. So large retail shops and shopping centres are going to be quite busy. So there's, there could be two things that are keeping people away. COVID-19 and the fact that it's going to be really busy and people don't want to go. So 47% will avoid large retail shops and shopping centres. 45% will avoid museums and galleries. High street, 36% of people will avoid shopping in the high street. Now, high streets are declining anyway, even before this pandemic was here. But, you know, this hasn't helped. So there was a lot going on behind the scenes. There's a lot of lobbyists out there trying to keep the high street going and, you know, revive the high street and do anything they can to, to keep the high streets open. Hairdressers and beauty salons, 36% will avoid them. Now, this is amazing because I tried to buy um, hair clippers about four weeks ago now and it had a three week lead time. And this is on Amazon Prime. So um, that just goes to show that hairdressers are invaluable. But you know what? I've done it now. It's my third haircut I've done in, in, in lockdown and I'm improving and it looks amazing. I've got a compliment on it today. So I'm going to carry on doing it myself, save me some money and I'll learn a new skill as well. So um, not going to the barbers anytime soon. Holidays. Now, this is a big one. The holiday market and the travel industry has taken a massive, massive hit. 51% of people will avoid holidays because of COVID-19. So you've got to bear in mind that people are going to be avoiding holidays. So they're going to want to do something else. They'll probably do a staycation or, you know, just stay around, stay at home, stay safe. But they might want to go out to these um, pubs, bars, clubs, gyms, restaurants, cafes, shopping centres, etc., etc. So that, that kind of skews the figures a bit. But that's what the statistics say. 20% will avoid supermarkets and grocery shops. Now, supermarkets have been quite busy and people have the perception that they're making tons of money. But I have to say, despite the supermarkets being busy and the online orders and stuff shooting off, supermarkets have had to pay for a lot of additional support, be it extra staff, extra vehicles to do deliveries, extra stock, additional kit on site to make sure sanitizing is done and everything's kept safe and you've got all the protection there. So you've got sneeze screens and barriers and markings to make sure everyone's adhering to social distancing. All that comes at a cost. Now, you'll have noticed that in the supermarkets, prices haven't really changed for products. So the supermarkets aren't pushing the cost of that onto the consumers. So you've got to bear that in mind as well. But the perception is there that the supermarkets are raking it in, but people aren't seeing the costs that are going in. And for me, working for a supermarket employer, 
I get to see all this firsthand, I can say hand on heart, supermarkets aren't making the money that people think they are. 14% of the public are not planning to do anything less than they would have done before COVID-19. So that's a small number, but they do, they are there. So it was an interesting um, survey. And, that, you know, if you're in any of those sectors and you and you do have retail property, commercial property in those sectors, those statistics might just give you a bit of a bit of an insight as to what the public is thinking and, 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 and what they what they might want to do to try try and entice the public to come and shop with them. So what sorts of things do you need to start looking at before going back and starting your business up again? What is it going to take to make sure you increase your, your public confidence and entice the customers to come in and shop with you? Well, you're going to have to make sure that you adhere to social distancing and you make the property safe. Now, you're not only going to have to look at making it safe for your customers, but also for your staff and also for yourself, too. So what does that include? Well, you're going to have to do a deep clean of the property, first of all, as soon as you get in there. It's going to be empty. You're going to have to drain the tanks, make sure you've got fresh water going in to avoid any stagnant water, which has the risk of Legionella. You are going to have to do a risk assessment of the areas where there will be high risk of social distancing not being adhered to. And you're going to have to try and find ways of ensuring that you've got crowd management outside. So ensuring people adhere to that two metre distance before they go into the shop. You have a customer traffic system, so you you limit how many people are in the shop at any one time to ensure everyone adheres to social distancing rules. You need to make sure the staff have been trained on making sure everything's cleaned down, wiped down, sanitised once customers have been in. You know, that needs to be done every 15 minutes or so uh, to ensure that everything is safe and sanitised and clean. You need to look at all the other measures as well. Is it going to impact your fire risk assessment? You know, if you're changing the route that customers are going through, are they going to have safe egress points in the event of a fire? Is everyone trained to know those routes and will they be able to react to those routes? Do you need to get floor markings on and wall markings and posters to say you, know, you need to adhere to social distancing? Do you need to employ more staff to ensure that, you know, all, all this is adhered to and people um actors actors marshals to ensure that customers know where they're going what they're doing where they're allowed where they're not allowed do you need to restrict some areas from the public because they're high risk or you can't maintain that social distancing in those areas do you reorganize that or do you just lock it off completely so there's a lot of things practically you need to think about before you start letting customers into your business now a lot of landlords and center managers are looking at these and sort of have generic plans for businesses to start up again and they're looking to support the retailers too so they'll have additional signage and additional barriers and everything in place to help you when you do go back into your shopping centres, high streets or wherever your, your your property might be. Even if it's an office, you know, you're looking at sort of access and egress points. Do they need to be sanitised? Do they, do they need to have hand wash points, sanitising points? Do they need to close off any communal areas such as cafes, restaurants, where there's a risk of too many people gathering or social distancing not being adhered to? So if you're in an office environment and you have a canteen, for example, does that need to be 
restricted does that need to be limited are you going to operate a takeaway service only and take away all the chairs and tables are you going to tell your staff to bring in their own lunches and take away the risk completely by not opening the canteens and restaurants in your in your in your offices there's a lot of those things that you need to think about you need to look at how the desks are aligned in in your offices as well are you adhering to a two meter distance is there you know is everyone working safely are, are they working back to back their distance of two meters back if they're working back to back so it's not only next to each other but you know you've got to look at forwards backwards left and right you've got to look in all directions you've got that two meters around you it's a bubble around you people are forgetting that so to remember remember all those things as well now once you are back in the property you need to make sure that you are adhering to social distancing and a strict cleaning regime to ensure staff are washing hands and getting breaks because this will be very tiring for them as well and they'll be they'll be interacting with a lot of customers as well and you know yes they'll have ppe and stuff but psychologically they'll still have that in the back of their mind that they're touching other people so you need to make sure that they've got adequate times that they can go away wash their hands and then come back and just have a break from it all as well because it will be overwhelming for the first few weeks when we go back it's going to be overwhelming so you need to ensure that not only is everything working well but you need to make sure everyone's well-being is kept kept safe as well and, you know we had mental health awareness week last week last month sorry and that kind of gives you an insight as to what people are thinking what you should be looking out for as well so that's another aspect you need to look at as well but going back to sort of property in the short term what are landlords looking to do well are they willing to be unwilling creditors and sort of let you off the rent but sort of not chase it as much that's what landlords could be doing in the short term i know i'm doing that with a lot of my tenants where i'm not actively chasing the rent but we'll invoice it as normal be it on a monthly basis because we've agreed monthly rents we'll still be invoicing it but we won't be actively chasing it and obviously the corona act prevents us from doing any credit control and debt chasing uh, and debt recovery and sending in bailiffs etc so you've got tenants have got that protection there now a lot of businesses have gone under it's sad to say but a lot of businesses have gone under as a result of covid so there's going to be a lot of insolvency activity around now that could be detrimental to the property market because there's going to be a lot of empty units around now and trying to get them let in this time day and age is going to be difficult now if it's a prime pitch location then great you might get another tenant in fairly quickly but i can just see this as the rental market going down rents are going to go down because there is going to be an excess supply in properties coming up because of all these uh insolvency cases and you know there's there's quite a few companies going under at the moment and you know retail like i said like i keep saying it's taken a massive hit and there's big names out there that that are at risk at the moment so you know it, it, you've got to watch out for this and if you are a landlord who has a tenant that's going insolvent i'll, I'll do a an episode on that but you've just got to be careful make sure that you make your claims when they do go under and try and keep the debt levels as low as possible to, to begin with just so that you don't lose out because you could be getting pence in the pound if anything so you need to make sure that you know even if, if if your tenant who has gone insolvent you need to make sure that your debt levels are quite low and you just write them off because you need to be in the tens of thousands of pounds if not hundreds of thousands of pounds of creditors if you are going to get a decent payment out of the um, insolvency practitioners in the medium term you, you've got to look at permanent changes in shopping habits now you looked at the statistics from the survey that i mentioned just a while ago that is sort of coming out of the peak of covid19 now, i'm sure there'll be another survey in a few weeks time where 
they look at once retail's open what are the uh, shopping habits once everything's open again so looking at 15th of june onwards and you know is 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 the is the mindset of the customer going to change are they going to be more willing to go out and interact and shop in physical shops rather than shop online is the anchor tenant going to exist now the anchor tenant with you know when you hear things like debenhams is going under and they're closing stores um, and John Lewis and Marks and Spencer's looking at closing large stores. It makes you wonder, is there going to be an anchor tenant in a shopping centre or in a, in a high street? Is there going to be an anchor tenant there? Are they still going to exist? Is the shopping habit and you know retail as we know it now, is it all completely going to change? And then looking at the lease model, you know, is, is it going to stay the same? Are we going to move on to turnover rents more now? Because the, the old model of having a fixed rent with rent reviews and stepped rents, etc., it just doesn't work now. It, it's not. It's not right for the de- this day and age, and for these sorts of situations where we're going through pandemics and stuff. Is is the lease going to change? Is the old model history? You're going to have to think about that as well when you're looking at potentially um, renewing leases. You can kind of try and get a turnover rent in there in the event of a pandemic. Put a pandemic clause in there again. Speak to your solicitors. Get more information out of it. Now, business rates have been abolished until next year, so that kind of puts local authorities on a bit of a strain as well because they won't be able to fund high streets and stuff like that. Now, I don't know whether the bid is still active and still being charged out the business improvement district levy. Uh, I don't know whether that's still being charged out because that is slightly different to business rates so that that might still be chargeable and the aim of the bid is to try and increase business in that area and assist retailers and occupiers alike so that might still be running i would still check that with your local authority or the bid to see whether that's still being billed out and whether you still have to pay it so but the bid will be able to help you out with sort of getting back on track and sort of managing the public when they're coming in so that that could be a way forward one of the things that we had issues with personally throughout this covid while working from home and trying to manage manage an estate is the land registry not accepting electronic signatures now you're trying to renew leases and do rent reviews and re-gears and stuff and you're trying to get all these documents signed and you can't do it using electronic signatures because the land registry does not accept electronic signatures now this is quite annoying given we're in a day and age of technology and everyone's trying to move online and go digital and paperless and the land registry are sticking to their guns and saying no we will not accept any leases that are registrable under the land registry if it has an electronic signature so you have to have a wet ink signature on leases which need to be registered with the land registry which is quite annoying because that means you have to get a courier out to go out to signatory A, signatory B, and make sure they've got witnesses around to be able to witness their signature as well. And then obviously drive it back and uh, drop it back to the solicitor. So you know, it could be a day out for the uh, couriers, but logistically it just is a nightmare to get leases and or any, any documents uh, signed by way of wet ink signature in, in this day and age, especially when we're in the middle of a lockdown. So if anything, I would urge the land registry to... Um, start accepting electronic signatures i know that it's been lobbied and there's a lot of people uh, a lot of solicitors out there who are trying to get the same going at the same time so um, hopefully the land registry sees sense and uh, moves with the times and there's an improvement on on that so i think i'm going on quite a bit on 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 the effects and retail and coronavirus and property so we've covered quite a bit but if there is anything you want me to look at in particular please do drop me a note
so that's it from me on coronavirus and you know i might do another one in a couple of weeks time from june the 15th when retail opens up and you know lockdowns eased a bit more and try and get a bit more normality in life and see what the effects are but i'll be doing a few other episodes on various other topics in between so stay tuned let others know that this podcast is out there and please do like share we're now on spotify apple podcasts and anchor so you have various means of listening to it but yeah like i said please do carry on liking sharing subscribing and of course get in touch on my instagram the life of a surveyor if you do have any questions and i'll be more than happy to answer them so take care stay safe and adhere to social distancing while you're out and about please and we'll catch up soon cheers see you